Yo, my name is Brian GS, and this is the Brian at the Disco Podcast. I don't even know when this is going to go up. You know, it's been a long time since I did this podcast. I've just been so busy. I couldn't really find time to do it, and I kind of fell out of it because I was doing a lot of them on my own. And frankly, I, I kind of enjoy doing the podcast more with other people because I don't really have to do as much prep. I don't really need to, you know, know what I'm going to say as much... It's not like I'm writing this whole podcast out. This isn't like one of those obnoxious podcasts where everything's pre-written, you know, and they come in with pre-written jokes and shit like that. No. But I do have kind of like a, a outline that I can kind of walk along. Like, for example, later on, I have a lot of clips from the Slavoj Žižek versus Jordan Peterson stuff. So I'm going to go into that. But I, I don't write down what I'm going to say. Like, I outline the clips a little bit. All right, what I'm gonna say. Anyway, I haven't done a podcast for a while, also because I've just been super busy, and I'm sure the audience listening to this doesn't care, but I do, and I'm gonna keep doing this podcast whenever I feel like it. I've been trying to uh, do a Game of Thrones podcast because Game of Thrones just wrapped up, just wrapped up like a month ago, and it's quickly becoming the past. And every moment I don't do it, Game of Thrones just becomes less and less relevant. At the beginning of the season, I was positive I was going to do an episode on it, but every week that would go by, it's like, okay, that wasn't the best episode. Okay, that wasn't the best episode. And so the end of the season came around, and it was like, well, fuck, what am I going to do this podcast? But that'll be coming at you next. That'll probably be the next podcast. And along with that, you know, I'll also be doing a rundown of MASH and the last episode of Cheers. You get it? It's irrelevant and in the past. But the first thing I want to warn about on this podcast is, even though I've been kind of having a a little bit of a distance between me and the podcast, I have noticed on my computer that the antivirus software that came with the computer dried up, it ran out. So unfortunately now, every couple minutes or so, I'll get a notification from this quote-unquote antivirus software saying, hey, do you want to renew your stuff? And no matter how many times I turn it off, I turn notifications off, I turn sounds off, it still pokes through. So if you hear a ding in the audio, I apologize on behalf of fucking McAfee and their stupid piece of shit software. It really shows, you know, I think on Macs and stuff like this, you don't have to worry about viruses anymore. So the antivirus becomes the virus. It's like it doesn't pick up viruses anymore. It's well, What's the quote from uh, the Batman movies? Either... Die a hero, you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Imagine that, but with virus software. So uh, the first subject I wanted to get into was this. It's actually the most recent of all these stories that I'm covering today because it literally just came out on YouTube, uh, or rather on Twitter yesterday, that I don't watch Stranger Things. I don't usually enjoy watching shows that star children because I think they're usually kind of simplistic and they cater to kind of more base instincts. I don't watch Stranger Things, long story short, but they're giving one of the young kids from Stranger Things a prank show. Ooh, don't we all love prank shows? That's just what we need in the culture. So, uh, the prank show. Let me see if I can find a quick outline here for you guys. That kid from Stranger Things has a new prank show that tricks people and tr- that tricks people who are trying to find work. So just imagine you're going in on a new job. I've had a lot of new jobs. I've been through a lot of jobs. Where you go in, you're nervous, you're on the edge of your seat... And then you realize not only is this a bad day where everybody else has known something except for you, it's also you realize you don't have a job and that your life is ultimately a lie run by the kid from Stranger Things. All right. Uh, Quote, and here's uh, from the Netflix release about what it's going to be. Each episode of this terrifying and hilarious prank show takes two complete strangers 
who each think they're starting their first day at a new job. Uh, it's business as usual until their paths collide and these part-time jobs turn into full-time nightmares. You don't have to sign in to, to find out what happens. And let me be honest, I've always kind of thought prank shows, like the kids shows that I was just discussing, it's fucking stupid and it really isn't... I'm a comedy snob, absolutely, because I'm the kind of guy who will... I like when things have an undercurrent of funny. For example, you watch a lot of the energetic kind of content that's on the internet or bloggers, stuff like that. Vloggers, you know, people who... The Vine stars. And they have this energy like they're funny and they sound like they're funny, they smell like they're funny, and they look like they're funny. But if you listen to what they're saying, there's nothing really funny being said. I personally think underneath all the persona and whatever else you put into your comedy, there has to be jokes. You have to have something that if anybody said it to someone else and condensed it, it would be, oh my god, okay, <laughs> that's pretty funny. I've had so many of my friends try to convince me that something like Impractical Jokers is this revolutionary show, and they're like, wow, these guys are so crazy, they're acting like assholes in public. And I'm just like, dude, I act like an asshole in public every day. This is not a revolutionary idea, all right? I don't think prank shows are a good thing, but I'm not going to be one of those people who shits on it just because, like, oh, these are at-risk people who are going for a job. But then again, it's also, like, prank shows are just stupid. I've never really found them funny. Like, even Punked with Ashton Kutcher, which is supposed to be, like, the higher fruits of prank shows, it just it doesn't come across as true. And by the way, anytime I watch reality television, my knee-jerk reaction is to be like, oh, this is scripted. Oh, this is just fake. Because you watch reality TV shows and really nothing can be further from reality. It's just that they're not being honest about the fact that it's far from reality. At least when you watch bullshit like sitcoms and stuff like that that have a laugh track, they know what they are and they're being honest about what they are. But this is something that's so far from reality being like, no, what a reality. No, this is a prank show starring a kid. Hey, look, not, you're not going to get a paycheck, but also you're going to have to go through some terrible thing in order for people's entertainment. What? Why do Americans love, and I'm an American, so I, I group myself in that category, why is it that the American viewing audience is obsessed with watching people's dreams be crushed on television? We watch it with American Idol, where people applaud like stupid seals every time Simon Cowell shits on some poor girl, who's like, you know, I work at a dairy line, I worked at the deli line at Publix for 25 years, and I've, I've sweated over this meat for so long. But in my private moments when I'm all by myself, the times that I don't talk about at parties, I personally think that I can sing. I think I'm capable at one thing and that God has given me a talent, that I am not just another cog in this capitalist machine, but I am something special, that I can make life off of my art. And then Simon Cowell's just, honey, your, your pitch isn't right. Not, you, you don't have money for singing lessons, but it's obvious you haven't taken singing lessons. People love that shit. People love watching British dickheads shit on people who have dreams. I never really liked American Idol, but it's also just because I feel like something like American Idol depends a lot on the judges. Because let's face it, reality television like that, or not reality television, what am I looking for? Like contest sort of television, which seems to be everywhere. It's not very entertaining. So I ask myself, why is something like The Voice or America's Got Talent or any of the number of different, you know, uh, talent shows that have been popping up. Why do the networks do this? Why do they, they shove this down our faces? And frankly, 
Look, it's because they're cheap. It's because these people are getting put on television and they're so excited to get put on TV that they don't ask for any money. So it's like, imagine yourself as a TV executive smoking a big cigar, kind of look like Winston Churchill. And, you know, we're going to bring people in here, exploit their talent for free, tell them they suck, kick them out, not even give them money. That's entertainment. It's dark. It's dark. This prank show has got me thinking about all that's really wrong with television, all that's dishonest with it. And prank shows are just terrible. And uh, pranks have been kind of revived by YouTube. Because, let's be honest, most of the people who watch videos online, and you'll see that later on when I talk about the Logan Paul, Alex Jones podcast, most of the consumers of the internet are children. Uh, Fortnite, which is the biggest video game ever for online games, it caters to children. Let's be honest. I mean, I'm not the target demo for most of this stuff. So maybe I'm just not the targeted demo for this YouTube pranks. But I think it's fucking foul. Uh, and to kind of sum up this point, at Pixelated Boat, one word on Twitter tweeted out, Congratulations to YouTube on reviving the two great horrors of human history, fascism and pranks. <laughs> and look, every time these people come in, it's the same conversation. You know what I mean? I say, I say on behalf of the poor worker, many thousands are in want of common necessaries. Hundreds of thousands are in want of common comforts there, sir. And this kid from Stranger Things just comes over and says, Are there no prisons? And I, I gently reply, Well, there, there's plenty of prisons, sir. And the union workhouses? Are they still in operation? They're, they're both very busy, sir. Those who are badly off must go there. Well, sir, many can't go there. Many would rather die. And the kid from Stranger Things boldly says, If they would rather die, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population and my ratings. You get it? It's Scrooge from Christmas Carol. Anyway, the next thing I wanted to talk about, as I mentioned earlier on, is that Alex Jones, the inevitable conspiracy theorist and person who says Sandy Hook didn't happen and goes after the families and harasses them, he was on Logan Paul's podcast. If you don't know who either of these people are, congratulations on having an immeasurably better mental state than I do. Uh, but Alex Jones was on Logan Paul's podcast. And <laughs> I didn't pull clips from it just because it's so stupid. It's so typical of what an Alex Jones podcast... I've tried to watch the Joe Rogan podcast that Alex Jones was on, and it just... It, it feels so... You can't really have a conversation with Alex Jones. Alex Jones is the kind of guy where he does a solo radio show, he doesn't really have guests on, and he just goes for four hours, jumping from one subject to the next, to the next, to the next, as, you know, those right-wing radicals often do, where he'll tell you, uh, you know, 9-11 uh, and the moon landings didn't happen, but if you kind of challenge him on that, he'll throw out some... People who have conspiracy theories try to look for, f like, s the smallest most obscure flaws in what the quote-unquote established story is and use that and jump that to mean, oh, well, jet fuel can't melt steel beams, so obviously 9-11 was caused by the government. That's a huge leap to me. That's like that you see a light in the sky and you're like 50% sure it's not an airplane, so you jump to the fact that it's a UFO. It's the same type of thinking with these conspiracy theorists where they kind of want to twist reality to whatever story they want, the more exciting stories. And the problem with a lot of people like Alex Jones is that they pretend to be as credible as say as what they say is the mainstream media. They say, oh, CNN and New York Times, they all lie to you, but I'm telling you the truth when I tell you that the moon is made of cheese and that we all constantly just pick at it and that dairy doesn't spoil and make cheese. It's actually the moon. It's actually the moon, people. I'm Alex Jones. 
And you know, I didn't even really like the podcast, but I just love the idea of Alex Jones going on someone like Logan Paul's podcast. If you don't know who Logan Paul is, uh, he's like a kind of typical dipshit vlogger. Uh, he got in trouble for doing the suicide forest. Uh, he filmed a, a corpse of a recently dece- deceased person uh, when he went to Japan. I just love imagining Alex Jones. Like, the, the podcast that it should be is Alex Jones with a backwards hat and, like, a skateboard over his shoulder explaining to Logan and all his droogies how the government is making frogs gay. That In a perfect world, that would be it. And Logan Paul just unironically listening to it. You know, Logan, listen, you got a dab on the globalists. You got to pop a nae on those Illuminati pedophiles, all right? <laughs> the problem with doing my Alex Jones voice is that it always fucks up my throat, so I have to take a lot of sips of water. <sighs> listen, Logan... You vloggers, you're on the front lines of the info war against tyranny, alright? It's obvious to me that your brother Jake Paul is actually a CIA-backed crisis actor. The New World Order will try to silence you freedom fighters and your pool's full of slime. (laughs) Get it? Because that's what they do on vlogs. Right? We covered his car in aluminum. You won't believe what happened. Fucking clickbait garbage-ass titles where it's like 20-minute video. And you have to skip forward to see, oh, where's the aluminum foil part? And it's like two seconds of the video and they find out before it happens. Clickbait and ass. Logan, we should wake up our roommate with an air horn and discuss how 9-11 was a false flag. So as far as, uh, you know, comedy aside, the moral considerations of this. Why have Alex Jones on the podcast? You know, Alex Jones has been deplatformed and rightfully called out on all his kind of bullshit conspiracy theories and controversial views. I think you might have heard the sound right there, where the McAfee fucking garbage software just came in. Sorry about that. So again, the moral considerations of this. Why would someone who has an audience full of children, who are, by definition, more impressionable, and I'm not someone who applies the media contagion theory to everything, because I don't think that we could adjust what our entertainment is based on what crazy people might or might not do. Uh, Let me give you an example of that. Like, when people accuse... Uh, what's it called? Judas Priest of playing when that kid committed suicide. I don't think that no one should be able to listen to Judas Priest because of what one crazy person does listen to Judas Priest. As an example. But why would someone like Logan Paul with an audience full of children have someone like Alex Jones on despite all his controversy? The answer is quite simple. Uh, the answer is that it's the same reason he filmed a corpse in Japan. It's because there is no real morals in. Uh, especially a type of uh, emerging media like YouTube, which is what Logan is on, you kind of are only as good as your last video. It's like window shopping sort of deal. Where there, something I've noticed on the internet, and OJ recently joining Twitter kind of proved this the same way, where he got like 100,000 followers in one day, is that on the internet there's no real distinction between fame and infamy. The question is, does it get attention? And if not, it's bad. And if it does, it's good. Like, there's no moral considerations that's there. It's it's either you get attention or you don't. That's the polarization. Um, but that, I guess that's all I really wanted to talk about as far as the Alex Jones thing. Because he is, he while he's kind of entertaining and he did sort of create this new medium, which is the conspiracy theory long form, he's such a garbage human being. And the shit that comes out of what he does... Specifically, like where his fans will dox, uh, will dox ping, the comet ping pong or whatever the PizzaGate place, and say, "Oh, the, the kids are getting raped in the basement when there's not even a basement," or he'll harass Sandy Hook families. Like, uh, and the argument 
that I hear people already giving back to me is, oh, but Brian, you just say we can't adjust our entertainment based on what crazy people might or might not do. This is not the outlier amongst Alex Jones's uh, fans. You know, Alex Jones, actually, there's a great article about how Alex Jones helped fund the GoFundMe to track down the Sandy Hook family. He was very active in not only spreading these conspiracy theories, but also going beyond theory and helping people find how to practice what what is the ultimate end of believing this conspiracy theory. And it is harassing families, calling them crisis actors, saying that the deaths of their children, you know, didn't happen, which is pretty fucked up. <laughs> uh, the last thing I really wanted to talk about, though, was the Slavoj Žižek versus Jordan Peterson debate. All right, now that I'm back from the bathroom, we can talk about Slavoj Žižek, the greatest philosopher of our times. Slavoj really has a knack of explaining a lot of uh, a controversial subject in a funny way. He is actually a scholar. So, okay. The internet uh, is a beautiful place because sometimes it does give you mashups that you're like, I didn't need this. What's it called? The, uh, the ultimate showdown of Ultimate Destiny? I feel like that's what movies are becoming. Like when I saw uh, the most recent Avengers movie, I was, I, all I kept thinking was, and Batman was injured and trying to get steady with Abraham Lincoln came back with a machete and Black Panther came back with an attack. I don't know if you've ever heard that song, but it's a funny song. It reminds me of, uh, my point being, the internet often combines things that you're like, how does this have anything to do with each other? So recently, Jordan Peterson was, cha was challenging Slavoj Žižek to a debate on Twitter. Because... And I'll give you his official uh, Wikipedia intro in a second. But Jordan B. Peterson kind of has been known to me as one of these right-wing grifters. He just kind of doesn't have the edge that a lot of the others do, like Alex Jones. He Because he's Canadian. And being Canadian, he doesn't want he to... He's not quite as edgy. And uh, I don't really do as good a Jordan Peterson as I do a Slavoj. Uh, but I think someone in the comments on Twitch where I was watching it said it was Sylvester the Cat versus Kermit the Frog, which is hilarious. But Jordan Peterson is one of these right-wing figures who kind of grew to fame because he would be in these compilations of Professor Jordan Peterson owns poor scared SJW who's nervous on camera and isn't used to debating. Watch here. 20-year-old who's way too excited gets absolutely owned by professor who's on camera for a living. Watch here. Uh, so Jordan Burnt Peterson is a Canadian clinical psychologist and a professor of psychology at the University of Toronto. His main areas of study are who all psychological stuff. Uh, uh, in 2016, Peterson released a series of YouTube videos criticizing political correctness and the Canadian government's Bill C-16, which is an act to amend the Canadian Human Rights Act and the Criminal Code. The act added gender identity and expression out of prohibited grounds of discrimination. So essentially, it's saying you can't discriminate against someone because of their gender identity or expression. So you can't discriminate against LGBTQIA, ABCDEFG people. Uh, Peterson characterized this as an introduction of compelled speech into law, which is like where you have to say certain things, although most legal experts have disagreed. Uh, he subsequently received significant media coverage attracting both support and criticism. So he's a professor who has kind of one edgy position, and all these weird kind of incel people from online 
have flocked to him and are like, Daddy, please uh, tell me how I can be smarter. Please. It's really, uh, there was a, a great video. God, I wish I had it. I'll, I'll add it in post where Jordan Peterson is giving a speech and one of his fans runs up and is like, I'm, I'm unwell. I don't feel good. I've gone to the hospital. I need your help, please. And because he's at Liberty University, which is this Christian, you know, awful cultish uh, atmosphere, they all pray for this kid as he's just howling. The white noise generator. My name is David Lee Rauschew. I'm unwell. I need help. I need help. I just wanted to meet you. I'm unwell. I call my I hope that you find the help that you need. It's really messed up, but I think that that person kind of, while he's a caricature, I think he represents a lot more of the Jordan Peterson fan base, as we'd like to admit. The guy who he talked shit about on Twitter and then accepted his debate was, of course, the Slovenian Slavoj Žižek. Uh, Slavoj Žižek is a Slovenian philosopher and sociologist, is a professor at the Institute of Sociology and Philosophy at the University of somewhere in Slovenia, which I can't pronounce. Uh, L-J-U-B-L-J-N-A-N-A. -N -A. I don't know how to pronounce that. And he is also the international director of Birkbeck Institute for the Humanities at the University of London. I know that. Um, he works in subjects including continental philosophy, political theory, cultural studies, psychoanalysis, film, criticism, Marxism. That's the key word right there is that he does consider himself a Marxist. Uh, Hegelianism and theology. Ba -ba -ba -ba. Zizek's idiosyncratic style, popular academic works, frequent magazine op-eds, and critical, critical assimilation of high and low culture have gained him international influence, controversy, criticism, and a substantial audience outside academia. In 2012, Foreign Policy listed Zizek on its ba -ba 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 -ba, calling him a celebrity philosopher, while elsewhere he has been dubbed the Elvis of cultural theory. Uh, he has also been called the most dangerous philosopher in the West. So, he's a Marxist. And he's, a, he's an actual scholar, as opposed to, uh, unfortunately, I think Jordan B. Peterson's more of a grifter than Slavoj, but that's not to say I agree with everything Slavoj Žižek says. He is very, very entertaining, though. I like watching some of his videos. Uh, 2005 documentary film entitled Žižek, chronicled Žižek's works. Oh, my God, is that, uh, I think that's Jeff Mangum's wife who did that from the guy behind Neutral Milk Hotel. <laughs> Communist daughter has a whole new meaning. Slavoj, please hear this song that I say. If you don't know the album In the Airplane Over the Sea, uh, check it out. It's a banger. So, okay, those that's our introduction to the two of them. And the real reason I think that Jordan B. Peterson challenged Slavoj Žižek to a debate is because the PC culture that Jordan Peterson speaks out against so frequently, uh, he calls them postmodern neo-Marxists. Because... He, a term I think he made up personally. Um, and he, he says that SJWs are kind of like communism, so we should blame SJWs for everything Stalin did. Something like that. And another thing that Jordan Peterson does, I've noticed in all of his, uh, his debates and his speeches, is because he's a psychologist and he's interested in nature versus nurture, he often will say what nature is, uh, like how our DNA is encoded, to say how we should be or what is right in our social structures. So, I know that's a lot to take in, but it'll make sense as uh, we go along. 
Okay, so usually when you enter into a debate, a scholarly debate, you have to read everything the other person did and then kind of sum up what their ideas are and then question those ideas or poke, just kind of show the fallacies of them. Unfortunately, Jordan Peterson didn't do that. Uh, and for someone who talks about Marxism so much, it sounds like he just read the Communist Manifesto for the first time and that he's never really looked into the rest of Marx's work, like uh, Capital and stuff like that. Anyways... So this first clip is Jordan Peterson discussing how he prepared for the debate. How did I prepare for this? Um, I went, I familiarized myself to the degree that it was possible with Slavoj Žižek's work, and that wasn't that possible because he has a lot of work and he's a very original thinker, and this debate was put together in relatively short order. And what I did instead was return to what I regarded as the original cause of all the trouble, let's say, which was the Communist Manifesto. And what I attempted to do... Wait, wait, wait. Because that... Can I just say... I've seen this in so many of his speeches where Jordan Peterson just seems like the most depressed Canadian I've ever heard. Where it's like, every time he talks, he should just have the... Uh, oh, what's that song from Platoon Call? I have it on this computer somewhere, and I'll throw it underneath uh, to show you what I mean. It's Marx, and we're here to talk about Marxism, let's say. And... Um, what I tried to do was read it. And to read something, you don't just... Let me also say, before uh, I add the platoon music underneath, the audio problems with this audio that I pulled is completely on their side. Whoever mic'd this stuff up really didn't know uh, what they were doing. Because it seems like they tried to mic the audience for audience reactions, and it just sounds like this weird reverb when someone... It's tough to balance uh, sound levels when you're trying to mic up an audience like for a comedy special or something because you don't want to hear a reverb of what's coming out from the comedian from the audience mic. So it's tough to get the gain exactly right. Of course, they totally fucked it up here because, uh, you know, whatever. Because it's an internet grifter debate. Who gives a shit? So the, inter the audio problems on this are totally their fault. Just to kind of pass the buck. Let's listen in to uh, Sergeant... <laughs> Not Sergeant Barnes, Sergeant Jordan. Follow the words and follow the meaning, but you take apart the sentences and you ask yourself at this level of phrase and at the level of sentence and at the level of paragraph, is this true? Are there counter arguments that can be we get it. put forward that are credible? God, is he's worried. Solid thinking. And I have to tell you, and I'm not trying to be flippant here, that. I have rarely read a tract. Now, I read it when I was 18. It was a long time ago. That's 40 years ago. But I've rarely read a tract that made as many errors per sentence, conceptual errors per sentence, as the Communist Manifesto. Except for your book. Conceptual errors per sentence as the Communist Manifesto. All right. So that's the first clip. And I love playing the platoon music underneath it. So I think I'm going to keep doing that every time Jordan Peterson talks. But, uh, so that's kind of his introduction where it's almost like he's entering in bad faith in this argument. It's like, I'm not interested in what Slavoj Žižek has to say. I'm interested in what the person whose theory, his theory is based upon, like a game of telephone almost. It's like, I'm not going to insult Slavoj Žižek. I'm going to attack the guy that I've been attacking for years, which is Karl Marx. And let's be honest, Karl Marx uh, tried to figure out a way to make communism retrofit into an economic system. Right, and he was a propagandist, and he really tried to push this. 
you know, Communist Manifesto worked. It convinced a lot of people that communism was actually a good thing. Obviously, because, you know, you had the USSR and all the socialist satellite republics that kind of propped up from... Communism is easy to love. It's easy to love the theory, but it's tough to put it into practice. That's kind of how I've always felt about communism. It sounds great, but when you get down to the nitty-gritty of it, it's like how do you reward people with skill labor versus people who have more manual labor? You know, that's kind of a problem that I think communism has faced at all junctions. And besides the fact that, I mean, every time we've tried to, as a human species, put communism into effect, it's been drowned down with the fact that we as people are drawn toward authoritarianism when you concentrate power in the government. So when you, for example, when the people take the, me the means of labor, uh, or seize the means of production, excuse me, and they give it to the government to control, the government officials naturally are going to want to protect their own power. Absolute power corrupts absolutely, baby. All right. So this is another Jordan Peterson, uh, Sergeant Barnes clip where he says, what is natural is actually what's good. So let's listen in. The idea that one of the driving forces between history is hierarchical struggle is absolutely true. But the idea that that's actually history is not true because it's deeper than history. It's biology itself because organisms of all sorts organize themselves into hierarchies and one of the problems with hierarchies is that they tend to arrange themselves into a winner-take-all situation and so and that that is implicit in some sense in Marx, Marx's thinking because of course Marx believed that in a capitalist society capital would accumulate in the hands of fewer and fewer people and that actually is Which he was correct about. With the nature of hierarchical organizations now the problem with that isn't so much the fact of the, so there's the there's accuracy in the accusation that that is a f eternal form of motivation for struggle but it's an underestimation of the seriousness of the problem because it attributes it to the structure of human societies rather than the deeper reality of the existence of hierarchical structures per se which as they also characterize the animal kingdom to a large degree are clearly not only human construction so just to kind of sum up what this wordy doddering canadian is saying i love the platoon music underneath the platoon music definitely uh, aids it infinitely um what he just said there with that long drawn out thing is that capitalism works like nature because there's strength and there's weakness and you know the strong survive and good ideas are rewarded blah blah essentially saying economics can be defined as natural as like ecology e economics is ecology which is an oversimplification uh, that I think uh, Zizek actually addresses in this next one. So finally, we will get to heal the great Slavoj Zizek, the Elvis of uh, social theory. Here we go. I deeply appreciate evolutionary thought. Of course, we are also natural beings. And our DNA, as we all know, overlaps, I may be wrong, around 98% with that of some monkeys. This means something, but nature, I think, we should never forget this, is not a stable hierarchical system, but full of improvisations. It develops like French cuisine. A French guy gave me this idea that French, the origin of many famous French dishes or drinks is that when they wanted to produce a standard piece of food or drink, something went wrong, 
but then they realized that this failure can be resolved as success. They were making cheese in the usual way, but the cheese got rotten and infected, smelling bad, and they said, oh my God, look, we have our own original French cheese. Or they were making wine in the usual way. I'm going to pause way. this for one second in the middle of his point. Sorry about that. But you hear the audience laughing. I think this is a huge reason why people listen to Zizek. While I think there's a lot of problems with the way he puts forward philosophy, like for example, he'll criticize something, but he won't say how it can be improved or what's a better way to do it. He is funny. His his saving grace, the reason people love him so much, is because he is more charming than like Jordan Peterson. Anyway, let's listen in a little more. Sorry to cut him off. He's making a point how nature is improvisational like French food. Something went wrong with fermentations and so they began to produce champagne and so on and so on. I'm not making just a joke here because I think that it is exactly like this that, and that's the lesson of psychoanalysis, that our sexuality works. Sexual instincts are of course biologically determined. But look what we humans made out of them. They are not limited to the mating uh, season. They can develop in a permanent into a permanent obsession, sustained by obstacles that demand to be overcome, in short, into a properly metaphysical passion that perturbs the biological rhythm, with twists like endlessly prolonging satisfaction in courtly love, engaging in different perversions, and so on, and so on. So on. Yes, biologically conditioned sexuality, but it is, if I may use this term, transfunctionalized. It becomes a moment of a different cultural, however you call it, logic. And I claim the same goes for tradition. T.S. Eliot, the great conservative, wrote, quote, what happens when a new work of art is created is something that happens simultaneously to all the work of art which preceded it. The past should be altered by the present as much as the present is directed by the past. And obviously that point with T.S. Eliot is saying that you know, while there might be some truth to the hierarchical struggle thing, that his, it can be summed up at the, the end sentence where the present should impact the past as much as the past impacts the present. Okay, so finally we get a little bit of back and forth uh, and we're getting to the root of the problem. Because if you remember, I think the reason this entire debate was called was because Slavoj Žižek is a serious philosopher who also claims he is a Marxist. And Jordan B. Peterson's entire grift, it seems like sometimes, is to call SJW's neo postmodern neo-Marxists, which is a term that's totally weighed down in jargon, uh, but to say, oh, you're an SJW? Well, you're a communist, because a communist is a catch-all word for bad stuff these days. But right here, Zizek actually kind of challenges uh, Jordan Peterson on that. So let's listen in. You designate your, under quotation marks, I'm not characterizing here, enemy, or what you are fighting against, as sometimes you call it uh, postmodern neo-Marxism. I know what you mean, all this, from political correctness to these excesses of whatever uh, uh, spirit of envy and so on and so on. 
Do you think they are really... Where did you find this data? I don't know them. I would ask you here, give me some names or whatever. Where are the Marxists here? I don't know any. I don't... Who, who is a Marxist? By the way, I guarantee, when I, when I started watching this debate, it seemed like the chat was 100% Jordan Peterson people. So you have to assume, I mean, Jordan Peterson is a newer celebrity, so he's a little bit more explosive, that the vast majority of that audience was there to see Jordan Peterson. And they're applauding <laughs> Slavoj attacking him. Uh, so finally, okay, it's fair, fair enough. Let's hear Jordan Peterson's, <laughs> Sergeant Peterson's uh, response to that. I mean, um, organization like Jonathan Heights, um, uh, what's it called? Heterodox Academy and other organizations like that have documented an absolute dearth of conservative voices in the social sciences and the humanities and about 25% according to the, uh, what I think are reliable surveys, approximately 25% of social scientists in the US identify themselves as Marxists. And so there's that. But where are the well, results? Okay, but, but can let, you name me one? The, the, I know a couple of Marxists. For example, uh, uh, who does very solid economic work. Yeah, I don't totally... Uh, David Harvey, one. But he writes very serious books of economic analysis and so on and so on. Then there is the old guy who is far from simplification, Frederick Jameson and so on. But they are totally marginalized today. In this politically correct mainstream, you know, I, I don't see. Well, yeah, your question seemed to me to focus more on the, per the peculiar relationship that I've noticed and that people have disputed between postmodernism and, and neo-Marxism. And I see the connection between the postmodernist types and the Marxists as a sleight of hand that replaced the notion of the oppression of the proletariat by the bourgeoisie as the oppression by one identity group by another. In other words, he has no <laughs> Marxist that he could describe as being connected with the SJW movement, and it's something he made up. Uh, reading about like, the post the post-match uh, analysis, it seemed like most people said that Jordan Peterson lost this debate, but really what happened was it just seemed like uh, they would jump from subject to subject so quickly that it felt like nothing was going to get done. Uh, it was sort of a clusterfuck. I wouldn't recommend watching it uh, as much as I wouldn't recommend watching the Alex Jones interview. Uh, you know, I've been going for a long time, like over 30 minutes now. So I think that's enough for today. I think that's good. Yeah, it's good. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, follow Brian at the Disco on SoundCloud, and there's a Twitter page now for it. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brian Silberman with two N's. And uh, other than that, you all stay beautiful. I have no idea when this is going to be posted or when the next podcast after this is going to be. So uh, don't, like, hold your breath for it, even though I know no one is going to be. Uh, it won't, it'll be coming out as I feel like it, kind of. But the Game of Thrones podcast will be coming soon. I promise on that one within, like, the next month that one will be out. So other than that, I will see you all later. Peace!